Welcome to the podcast station where we share exciting stories, interesting facts, lots of laughter, and lots of hope as we talk about caring for our human bodies in the 21st century. We have one ultimate goal, and that is to help you develop a newfound perspective and sense of appreciation for the incredible human body that you're living in. If you would like to join us for more educational courses or professional certifications, see us online at www.holistichealtheducators.com. Great to have you with us. <laughs> Welcome everyone to the podcast with Amy and I on neurotransmitters. Woo! Yeah, this is a like most topics that I freak out about, something that really transformed the way I saw not only my life, but so many different health phenomenons that we see and observe in the 21st century. So whether you have been studying neurotransmitters for years, or this is, you know, you've heard the word floating around and this is your first time, you're really going to hear a simple scientific explanation of it. I'm really excited for you to continue your education on neurotransmitters as all of us in the scientific community are also learning so much about it. You know what I love, Amy? So I remember when like the personality types came out, you know, and all of these different, you know, scenarios and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, when I started neurotransmitters years ago, I was like, it's just your neurotransmitters. You know, if you're dopamine dominant, these are your personality types. If you're acetylcholine dominant, this is your personality type. Like all of it, it really comes back to neurotransmitters. And I don't think a lot of people even, you know, understand that. And so it's literally you know, if we can, if you can regulate our neurotransmitters and get those, um, get them regulated instead of really being high or really being low and why that's important and why I'm excited for people to stick on the call is a teaser. If you are GABA dominant, but you're low in GABA, can you see the problem, right? And then we have all these health crises and I have notes and notes and notes on health crises for each one of these. And you're like, oh my gosh, that's why I have schizophrenia or oh my gosh, that's when my thyroid isn't working. It's actually not a hormone. It's not this, it's not a mineral. It's actually neurotransmitters. And so that's why I think I'm so excited for this, um, for this podcast, Amy, because neurotransmitters explain to me so much about the human body. And just before you take it away, um, I just... I will just tell you the simple definition of a neurotransmitter is it is the neurochemical that creates a connection between the synapses, right? Of the nervous system. Neurotransmitters are made by the nervous system and they all have a role to play. And they, they, are, what, they are what spark across the gaps or the synapses. And so if we're low in a particular neurotransmitter like GABA, then we might have seizures. We might have epilepsy. We might have Tourette's because the GABA was supposed to be there to create that synapse, to, to connect that synapse. And it wasn't there. And I think probably because why I have such a passion for neurotransmitters is because I had epilepsy growing up. And so I would have seizures. Well, no one ever knew it was a GABA deficiency. At least they never told us it was a GABA deficiency. So I was on medications for most of, well, until I was about 20, 21 years old. And that's when I'm like, wait a minute, this is a GABA deficiency. You know, I can study this in my books because we didn't have online back there. That dates me, but anyhow, and so I'm excited. So Amy, run off with what you want to talk about and, and I'm excited. Yeah, well, it also gave me so much more patience for myself because in the past when I would have mood swings, I would naturally start criticizing my life and think of like, oh, I feel so down right now. I'm just, I must, 
I'm bad. I must be bad at school and my social life and my family life and my dating life. And I'm just going to eat bad foods because everything else is going bad. And I would just like kind of sink into like these, I would let my define myself and my life by my mood swings. And now my understanding of neurotransmitters has really like probably eliminated over half of that, uh, of that judgment or of, of how like my mood swings go. Because if I start noticing I'm in a dip, I, my first thing is going through my checklist of what could be throwing off my neurotransmitters. Like how, how was my sleep? How was my food eating, you know, deep fried foods. I would frequently have mood dips after consuming deep fried foods. And in the past, I've been like, Oh, I never stick to my health goals. I'm so lame, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, I'm not saying if you want to have a treat, enjoy a treat. I'm just saying I would notice my mood, my mood would dip after that. And now I realize, like, wow, oils and trans fats actually inhibit my microbiotas, my microbiome's ability to synthesize dopamine and serotonin and these neurotransmitters that I need to feel healthy and relaxed. And so uh, just understanding, like, I would go through my food, I would go through my sleep, you know, how you know, serotonin and all these different neurotransmitters are heavily affected by our sleep schedule. I would go through if I've had any stimulants, like caffeine is a big, highly affects dopamine and, and your adrenals. And so you can get really high and then get really low. So now I just have this checklist where if my mood's off, I just boop, 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 go through the list. And if some of those are off, then I just give myself some grace for the day. And I'm like, well, my neurotransmitters are off today. Better get a good night's rest and get my, you know, get my food back on track and see how I feel in the morning instead of it being a creating an existential crisis where I'm like evaluating what part of my life is falling apart. Now, sometimes there actually are like situations to address and times where it's good to do introspection and maybe get other forms of therapy. But that's one reason. That's one thing I'm really grateful for my understanding of neurotransmitters. The, the second thing I wanted to mention before we start getting into all the different neurotransmitters, which is such an exciting thing to learn about, is that it also affects the way you work with other people and understand other people. We have one of our trainers in the, our holistic health coach program. She has all of her incoming clients. It's the very first test they take is a neurotyping test. And she does that because she wants to know, are they um, uh, 1A, 1B, 2A, 2B, or 3A? And that's going to determine whether or not they're nutrition and exercise routine is going to be highly regulated and very predictable because that's going to give them a sense of safety and that's going to make them feel in control. And they're just, they just want everything to be lined up. She's like, those are the type of people who like two weeks out from a camping trip call you. And they're like, well, what if there's a bear? Like, should we bring bear spray? You know? And then you have like personality types like her and I, who are types who are her and I, who are like, totally need like need variety like please don't give me the same thing every day or else I'm just gonna like throw it back at you you know and like a, a bear at camping is like that wouldn't have not crossed my mind until the bear showed up and then I'd be like what be an awesome story you know and so she needs she has them do a neurotyping test beforehand because it informs how she creates their plans are they going to want a lot of variety and spontaneity because that's their comfort zone or are they going to want you know depending on their neurotransmitter balances are they going to want things to be very organized Orderly. And I think that hearing her explain like what a relevant uh, assessment to do with incoming clients to know how to best coach them through their behavior change and their health journey. I thought that was so cool. So a really cool video for those of you in the health coach program to check out. Um, now, when it comes to 
Karen already mentioned where neurotransmitters are formed. These are the chemical messengers of our nervous system. The other main chemical messengers in our body are hormones and our neurotransmitters and hormones work together all day and all night. And so just know those are two different bodies of chemicals. Some of them do have overlap, like um, endorphins are considered both a neurotransmitter and a hormone. Serotonin is considered both a neurotransmitter and a hormone. So there is a, there are quite a few of these little chemical messengers that actually um, operate in both settings. Hormones are are distributed through your bloodstream and they're made by endocrine glands. So that's your endocrine system makes hormones and they travel throughout your body through your bloodstream. Neurotransmitters are made by your nervous system and they travel through your body through your through your neurons and across that synaptic cleft that Karen was talking about. So that's just a basic anatomy physiology differentiator between the two, but they constantly work together. And their goal is to help you achieve homeostasis or to help you uh, perform in the functions you need to perform. So Karen, do you mind if I give an example right off the bat or do you have anything? No, jump in there. Okay, so you guys hear me give this example all the time because I think it's the most basic and understandable example. You know, we hear about fight or flight mode and rest and digest. And so what is putting your, what is causing physiological changes in your body when you're in fight or flight or rest and digest? So let's say you're in rest and digest. Your vagus nerve is going to be sending acetylcholine down through your vagus nerve. And this vagus nerve is wrapped all around your digestive organs. It's wrapped around your stomach. And it's going to be telling the stomach cells to start secreting hydrochloric acid because we're going to be eating baby. And it's going to be wrapped around your digestive organs and your small intestine. And it's going to open up capillary sphincters that are, are going to cause more blood to flow through your digestive tract. Acetylcholine is like, Hey, you guys, we're going to be digesting food. We need to increase our blood flow around here. Let's get those capillary sphincters open so we can increase the blood flow in our digestive tract right now. And it's going to be, um, acetylcholine by and large is a vasodilator. It tells your blood vessels to open up and it that slows your heart rate down because we don't need to have a resting heart rate of 120 if we're going to be sitting down and eating a meal or whatever. So that's the rest and digest. Acetylcholine also helps with memory because if you're um, you know, not in fight or flight, it's going to start helping process your thoughts. It's a huge neurotransmitter for learning. So it can improve um, blood flow and um, uh, chemical reactions related to memory synthesis and learning. And so that's why uh, the acetylcholine is so relevant for rest and digest. And what we often find is sometimes people get deficient in acetylcholine and your body starts prioritizing digestion over memory. So this is a big thing to understand is like, sometimes if someone's dealing with memory issues, you really got to look at neurotransmitters. Um, because if you don't, it, your body's going to be sending the acetylcholine to prioritize digestion. And so it's going to affect your learning if you're deficient in it. Now, on the other hand, like let's take another scenario where it's time to start running and it's time to start exercising or it's time to, or you start getting really stressed out about something. Uh, your body's going to secrete um, norepinephrine or adrenaline. These are vasal constrictors. They're going to tell your blood vessels to constrict so that it increases the speed of the flow of your blood. You know, if you're sending the same amount of blood through a smaller area, it's going to have to travel faster. So it's going to be a vasal constrictor. It's going to, it's going to shut off the cap, the blood flowing to those parts of the body. We don't need to be focusing on right now. Like the, like the digestion It's going to close those capillary sphincters. We don't need blood going there. We got to send the blood to the extremities. You know, we need to run, go fight, win. And so, and it's not, you're not going to be remembering as many things because that's not a priority right now. You're prioritizing using your body. So that's just an, a, an example of how these different neurotransmitters are being sent down your nerves very fast and they 
and you have all felt it, you see one text mes message comes through that puts you in fight or flight mode from whether it's a business partner or a friend or just a heartbreaking text, it pops up and instantly you feel a physiological reaction. Your nerves just fired at like over 150 miles per hour, boom, just fired down. And it created this gut feeling in your body. It's, and it's, it's going to start changing the way your physiology is set up to operate. So this is why they say like people who exist in chronic states of fight or flight, this will affect your physiology because let's say um, your immune system's now gonna be affected because um, like cortisol and these high stress um, neurotransmitters are immunosuppressors. Your body's not prioritizing fighting off infections while you are um, in a state of fight or flight. It's like, oh, we're gonna handle that afterwards. We have a bigger bear to face right in front of us. So now your immune system is being suppressed. And so then you have candida overgrowth because candida is regulated by your immune system. You know, so you're being chronically stressed. You're also, that stress is also gonna be a, the chronic stress that's ongoing is going to be affecting your microbiome, your microbiome in your gut. And, and you need that to synthesize different neurotransmitters and um, as well as digestion. So it's just saying, this is why we temporary periods of fight or flight are phenomenal for you because they, they trigger the production of these neurotransmitters that you really need, like exercise. Like there's very, there's definitely a thing is good stress and bad stress. And like, we want to uh, exercise and get our bodies in these temporary periods of fight or flight. It's very good for us, but we just don't want to be there 24 seven. Cause there's so many functions that happen during rest and digest that really need us to be calm in order to, to physiologically process. Cool. So that's my those are my two cents on neurotransmitters. I love it. And you know what, just to recap back to, or just to let you know, the, so again, neurotransmitters are made by the nervous system. If you are wondering how to improve your nervous system health, we have another one of our podcasts that we did um, prior to this one, all about nerves and how to actually understand the nervous system and how to improve nerve, nerve the nervous system health so your nerves can regenerate because you can regenerate nerve tissue, period. Um, I've seen it over and over and over again. And so we share all of our secrets from what I've recommended for years. Um, so please check out that podcast. Um, and Amy, I just want to, I think it's really fun to let people know, like, what are people who are like dopamine, na dopamine nature like? So I'm going to just read off four neurotransmitters. Is that okay? Just yeah. like, because you're all going to love this. Each one of you are going to be like, oh my gosh, that's me. Oh, that's my husband. Oh, that's my daughter. Oh, that's my aunt, my uncle, my dad. And it'll help you understand them, right? So dopamine nature, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to throw some things out there. If you have a dopamine nature, you're the same as like 17% of, you know, the world's population, right? And if you are balanced, you are strong-willed, right? You know exactly what you want and how to get it. You're fast on your feet. You're self, you have great self-confidence. You're highly rational. You're more comfortable with facts and figures uh, than with feelings and emotions. By the way, this is me. Okay. So you can all just understand when I say to my children, I don't care if you're sick. You know how to get sick. Get yourself better again. I had I didn't care at all if they were sick. <laughs> Darn it. They should have done what they were taught. Like that's just me, right? So facts and figures more than feelings and emotions. Ugh, still to this day, don't get emotional on me. I don't know what to do. Anyhow, you, um, we are able to assess ourselves critically. Uh, we may take pride in our achievement. We have strategic thinking, masterminding, inventing, problem solving, envisioning. Um, and a majority of the doctors and scientists, researchers, inventors, engineers, generals, and architects are dopamine dominant. Um, but there's also a couple downsides here, right? 
So we may like to play chess and listen to books on tape, a uh, difficult crossword puzzle, we're tireless. Um, when exercising, you might enjoy weightlifting more than aerobic. You may not be overly sensitive and miss it when others consider their feelings more important than your reasons. That's a big one for me. Like I got to work on that all the time, right? I, I'm, I just have reasons and they make sense. So your emotions about it, just I, I have to, I care about that more. And so I have to work on that, right? We might be distant from our children uh, and the stability of the marriage may depend on the loyalty and goodwill of your spouse because they have to realize that you're so into reasoning that sometimes emotions are a little hard. Excessive dopamine, though, this is really interesting. That can, if you have too much dopamine in the body, you, it can lead to excessive risk taking, impulsive actions, violence, over controlling of others. Sexual activity might be too high for a sustained relationship as teenagers, reckless driving, shoplifting, date rape. Um, and you, you just need to learn how to balance that. So that's your dopamine person. So some of you are going, oh, yeah, that's me. I'm dopamine dominant, right? And Karen, let's mention dopamine deficiency would look like not having drive. Mm -hmm. It'd be the opposite right. of that. Not even mm -hmm. wanting to make you in bed, not feeling like any motivation, feeling apathetic or lethargic. It's the opposite of drive. Yeah. Yep. And there are foods that can help you with dopamine and there are, um, you know, but the number one thing for dopamine is oxygen, by the way, if anybody's wondering, that's the number one source of dopamine is oxygen. There's two amino acids you need to have, and that's going to be on one of the handouts that we have here in our 10-step uh, program uh, coming up. It's a new one we've just created, uh, but that would be phenylene and tyrosine, right? Because those metabolize into dopamine, so super important. And then um, the one thing with that, though, is if your dopamine um, dominant, you need to be very careful to avoid lead, right? Anything containing cadmium. So secondhand smoke, even growing up, I hung out at the pit, you know, with all the chicks and women and, and guys, you know, at my high school, cause we all could smoke then I didn't smoke, but I loved all the people. They were so cool anyhow, but I couldn't do secondhand smoke. And that's why I had no idea back then that that would be why. So it's just kind of cool. You know, it's just neat to learn. And can I roll on with acetylcholine yeah. or do you want to comment again? No, go ahead. Okay. So acetylcholine is really cool. These are just the best people, right? They adapt at working with their senses. They view the world in sensory terms, highly creative, open to new ideas, quick thinker, always taking other people into consideration, devoted to making things the best they can be, no matter how much effort it requires. You, you're probably the one planning all the reunions, right? You're flexible, creative, and spontaneous. You're willing to try anything new as long as it promises to be new and exciting. Um, you're intuitive, innovative. It's produced a lot in the periental lobes, by the way, of the brain. Um, so a lot of these acetylcholine rich people will be like fluent in multiple languages. It's easy for them. They're like the tink tank member, yoga and meditation instructors, religious leaders, and they love public service. Um, high brain speed, which impacts the creative functions. So artists, writers, advertising professionals, and actors are frequently acetylcholine dominant. Um, they're social, charismatic. They love meeting and greeting and making new friends. Uh, they come across to others as authentic and grounded. One of our daughters is so acetylcholine nature. That's Rose. This is completely all about Rose, by the way. So those of you who have met her, she's our actress out in New York. And she's just exactly this. She loves meeting and greeting and making new friends. Um, anyhow, she, so she does, she, she, uh, she's attentive to the needs of children and romantic with you, uh, a significant other, remembers people's feelings and their reactions. So it's just wonderful. Um, the excessive, though, is you don't, you, you may not give, to, or you may give too much of yourself to the point that you're using it all up. And then you don't consider your own needs and become uh, even misogynistic, right? You may feel the world is taking advantage of you or become very paranoid. You may become socially isolated, panic disorder, manic episodes, or anxiety. And interesting enough, as we read through the excess, 
you're all going to have that. I have the excess dopamine once in a while. I have the ex, or, you know, we all have these things and then we'll have the opposite as well. And so it's interesting because we might be in a time in our life when we're dopamine dominant. And then as, as time goes on, we become more GABA dominant. That's just where our, our body is. And so between GABA, when I did all my neurotransmitters, I can talk about me because I'm me. Um, I was dopamine dominant, but my GABA was right there as well. I like my second in line was the GABA, which is really cool because as I read you about GABA, you have these foods that can help enhance, you know, and give you the acetylcholine that you need, but then you have kryptonite. And for GABA, the kryptonite is actually processed sugar. So like a cookie or even, even a piece of bread. And I remember, and this is almost fun because we owned, when we owned all of our properties in Wisconsin, for those of you who have been with us forever, we had three buildings and we had a big wellness center, uh, the gardens wedding center and our house. And I could, I ran up and down all the stairs for, you know, 15 years, however long we lived there, I would run up all these stairs. We have like nine flights of stairs everywhere. When I ate a cookie, I couldn't run up the stairs. So if I was downstairs in the kitchen and I was making something with our, with our staff and we were trying some new recipes, if it, if it was a pastry or a, even a gluten-free cake or whatever, I ate some, I couldn't run up the stairs. That's how kryptonite works. So when you, when you get your hand out and you look for kryptonite, make sure you pay attention to that because it's, it's really cool. Cool. Okay, I'll, roll, I'll throw on GABA here real quick. So GABA, almost 50% of the world shares this nature, consistency, sociable, concern for others. You'll likely show up every day for work and be there when others need you. You remain calm when chaos swirls around you. Um, Level-headedness, punctuality, practicality, confidence all come very natural to you. Uh, you stay very organized. Rigid schedules are your thing, right? They're comforting rather than confining. Amy and I are not overly gabba. Anyhow, um, we gravitate to careers as administrators and accountants and security officers and nurses and medical technicians, air traffic controllers, news reporters, EMTs, meeting planners, right? Bus drivers, homemakers, people who love schedules and keeping things organized. No matter what, the gabba nature person is the one who tethers the group, who stays focused on the matter at hand and usually defers to the majority. Um, team flavor, they derive pleasure from fulfilling obligations and taking care of people they love. They make people comfortable and it makes them happy. Marriage is seen as a long-term haven. You probably believe in traditions and institutions, enjoy your part in making them work. You love history books and bi uh, bibliographies, right? Excessive GABA, right? You might be ignoring your, your own needs and you end up getting hurt. You may spend too much energy looking for love and then relying too heavily on your mate. You may look too much for, to authority figures for advice and continuously crave and follow the advice of others. So if you have people in your life who are always asking you advice, they're always craving advice from others, that can be because they're actually, they have too much GABA. There's too much GABA firing in their body. And so we want to make sure that we, we can control that. So just kind of fun. And again, there's lots more information in your handouts that you got today. Uh, there's another handout we've been working on. And then the last one I want to talk about is serotonin because serotonin is just really, really cool. Um, I, I love, I love this. Uh, if you have serotonin in nature, you are among 17% of the population who really know how to, how to enjoy themselves. It's associated with the delta waves, right? Which are produced in abundance uh, when we sleep. So they live in the moment. They're realist, keenly responsive to sensory input, but they can be impulsive. Achievement uh, means you're gonna get something done now. You thrive on change. Um, you find new ways of doing repetitive things. You'll try new foods, pick up a new hobby, plan a different vacation. 
every single year. Um, when you're balanced, a person with serotonin is receptive to stimuli, in touch with the body and the mind, often physically very well coordinated and very resourceful. Um, they are not put off by uh, struggle, um, and they're undeterred by setbacks. So who does it sound like? Sports people, right? Uh, if your work doesn't feel like play, it's not worth doing, right? Because you just want to be happy and play. Uh, serotonin nature is great for professions requiring motor skills, hand-eye coordination, flexibility, and crisis management. Tools, I love this. Tools are the extensions of the serotonin brain. People like construction workers, a lot of them are serotonin-based, right? Oil riggers, trucks and ambulance drivers, military personnel, hairstylists, bartenders, pilots, computer programmers, they love to play with expensive tools, right? And they, and they love the advancements. Um, professional athletes, movie stars, photographers, and fashion models might also have that serotonin. Great at troubleshooting, cheerful, optimistic, easygoing. Um, the impulsivity and desire for new experiences may move them um, away before deeper roots can be formed. So it's not always the best in relationships. You need to be, you know, be more careful and make sure you maintain uh, enough of... Um, of your, of your, what am I talking on? Hello. Thank you. Serotonin. I know that. Anyhow. Uh, um, okay. What other considers dangerous, such as bungee jumping, motorbike, motorboat racing, whitewater rafting, motorcycling, or just staying out all night um, carousing is just fun. So excessive, however, can make you extremely nervous. You become hesitant, distracted, vulnerable to any manner of criticism, and are, you're terribly afraid of being disliked. So um, you get plagued by sadness, depression, anger. Uh, and interesting enough, if we have time, I would love to get to the symptoms of deficiencies. This is really cool because you might be going, hmm, you know, and there's symptoms of deficiency, symptoms of GABA, symptoms of serotonin, symptoms of acetylcholine. And all of a sudden you'll be catching yourself maybe on level three, but level 10 is schizophrenia. But you know you're going down because you already had everything on one, everything on two, and now you're on three or four. This is where you, it plays a key role in understanding the nervous system regenerates. And so you want to be able to watch this podcast, but please pop over and listen to our other podcast as well on how to regenerate the nervous system. Awesome. So that was super awesome to hear about, Karen. Thank you for going over that. Just yeah, it's so relevant to how we mm -hmm. operate and how our brains are literally chemically wired. So very relevant. Thank you for sharing all of that. So then when it comes to balancing our neurotransmitters, there are both dietary and lifestyle things that make a big difference. Uh, one of the handouts that many of you were emailed, and we can drop it in the chat if you'd like to download it, is about uh, food sources of uh, the uh, amino acids or the molecules that our neurotransmitters are based on. So for example, like serotonin is made out of tryptophan and dopamine is made out of tyrosine and uh, uh, glutamate's made out of a conversion process um, that happens in your gut related to, or sorry, glutamine is uh, made in a conversion process related to glutamate. And so um, there are dietary sources of all these things that we need to make sure that we are consuming. If you read over the list, you'll quickly realize that eating a balanced diet will solve like what will give you the nutrients <laughs> you need. Like if you eat a variety of, of fresh fruits and vegetables, some herbs, if you um, occasionally consume some high quality poultry or some um, eggs or some fatty fish products uh, or salmon, phenomenal. Uh, so you'll, you'll realize as you look over that list that there are that eating a balanced diet is going to be like the easiest way to knock off everything on that list when it comes to food sources, but it's still really good to, to read through. And also that's one thing that 
that we do in our consultations with clients is if you know, if you do a scan with someone and you're looking at, uh, you know, the amino acids that they're deficient in, you can oftentimes relate that back to a neurotransmitter and see if they have any of those behavioral issues. Like if they're really low in, uh, uh, tyrosine, for example, you can ask like, Oh, is it hard to be motivated lately? Like, is it hard to just like feel that drive to like, want to like make your bed and get up and go to work and all of that? Cause that's a dopamine deficiency. Um, and same thing with tryptophan related to, um, uh, serotonin, which is a very calming and comforting and assuring neurotransmitter. Um, so that's a really cool chart that you can consult and then talk to them about their dietary mm -hmm. options as well as lifestyle factors. So I'm like the biggest advocate you'll ever meet of when it comes to using exercise to balance the brain, because there is just like, I call it a chemical cocktail is what exercise is. Like, if you want to feel better, like do something to moving your body. And there are so many chemical reactions at fire. And I wanted to explain like why, but I'm going to read you one paragraph and then you'll realize I'm not going into depth about this. But this is one example of how exercise affects dopamine. It says, um, exercise is known to change the dopamine system and the central nervous system. Using a radioenzymatic assay followed by thin layer chromatom chromatography, the concentrations of dopamine are found to be upregulated in brain uh, in the brain of rats subject to eight weeks of food in uh, reinforced running wheel exercise. And it talks about upregulation of dopamine in the brain has been linked to um, exercise induced higher levels of serum calcium, which is transported into the brain and affects the calcium cadmolinium dependent dopamine synthesis by activating the tyrosine hydroxylase enzyme. Furthermore, the binding affinity between dopamine and the dopamine receptor determined by Ferris Adol binding is also increased by exercise training. So in other words, we're not going to spend a lot of time on that because this is like the really scientific <laughs> stuff, but it's cool to hear about how all of a sudden, like, you know, you start running and all the, all these little firing things that activates this enzyme and it's going to start the synthesis of this other reaction. And it's going to increase the binding affinity between the dopamine and the dopamine receptor. It's like, seriously, this, it's like chemical fireworks in your brain and body when you, when you move your body. So I just wanted to mention that I will, last note on exercise is for people who are experiencing chronic, almost debilitating fatigue. They will want to keep their heart rate and their um, lung capacity below like 60% of full exertion because over 60%, you release cortisol, which can be very healthy in small doses. Um, but if you're dealing with someone who's dealing with a lot of adrenal fatigue already, because cortisol is released by your adrenal glands, um, you're going to want there. They will do better with exercises that are like yoga and walking and things that don't get them um, up to or above 60% exertion, if that makes sense. Um, but for anyone else who can handle it, as long as they're not dealing with any type of debilitating underlying infection, that's affecting whether or not their body's um, successfully using oxygen in their mitochondria to have energy, you know, mold toxicity, just have to mention it. Um, as long as you're not in those categories of adrenal fatigue or like debilitating underlying infection, having spouts of high intensity interval training, like 20 minutes of elevated heart rate, you know, a day or every other day, up to 30 minutes, phenomenal for balancing your brain chemistry. So that's just what I wanted to mention about lifestyle factors related to brain chemistry. That's super awesome. So do I have time? Can I run through this really quick? It won't take too long. Like, like the different symptoms. Like give me like just a few minutes on each, like literally, like probably under seven or eight minutes. Okay. So we will do, or do seven. Stop? We can stop and we they can just, seven more. yeah. What was that? We can also, this is also something that's, you know, part of our, um, 10 step program. So 
What do you want yeah, to do? Yeah, we learn all about brain chemistry during step five of the yeah. 10 step. And so definite huge invitation for anyone who's not in the 10 step program yet. You learn both about um, when, when it comes to brain health, that's all step five is brain health. We actually divide it into two sections. You have neuro uh, you have brain chemistry, which is where we're talking about hormones and neurotransmitters. And then we have neural pathways, which is where we talk about how we're wired with our thoughts, because we do mention, you know, when someone is dealing with any type of emotional or mood uh, disorder, you know, I'm not going to say it's exactly a 50, 50 split, but like there's, there's parts of it that are going to be chemical imbalances, but then there's other parts of it that are going to be just the way that our central nervous system is wired. You know, there are can be thoughts that are running 24 seven, keeping us in fight or flight mode that we don't even realize are happening. Um, so, uh, you can definitely okay. find information on that in the website, but yeah, Karen, if you want to mention just, uh, I, just a couple, I'll do the last levels. How's that sound? Cause there's 10 levels for all. So I'm gonna jump in level eight. So this is dopamine deficiency, ADD, Alzheimer's disorder stemming from abnormal brain structure, schizophrenia, cocaine or heavy drug overdose, HIV, hypoxia, other forms of oxygen deprivation, coma, um, anemia, balance problems, blood sugar instability, bone density issues, carbohydrate binges, constipation, decreased desire for food, decreased physical strength and activity, diabetes, diarrhea, those all excessive sleep can all be from dopamine. Isn't that just nuts, right? Weight gain, lightheadedness, low sex drive, there's so much. On acetylcholine, some of the last levels in acetylcholine, early stages of Alzheimer and dementia, severe Alzheimer and dementia, Alzheimer's, anxiety, arthritis, autism, cholesterol, um, elevation, decline in sexual ability, diabetes, difficulty urinating, dry cough, dry mouth, dyslexia, excessive or frequent urination, eye disorders, fat cravings, frequent bowel movings, glaucoma, right, multiple sclerosis, osteoporosis, reading and writing disorders. These are all from a a, a deficiency in acetylcholine, and there's more, but this is just to get you excited, right? On serotonin deficiency, alcoholism, major depression, hypersomnia, prolonged sleeping, or no sleeping for days, stroke, severe learning disability, um, severe drug experimentation, hallucinations, abnormal sense of smell, abnormal sleep positions, aches and soreness, arthritis, backache, blurred vision, butterflies in the stomach, carbohydrate cravings, choking sensations, constipation, difficulty, swallowing, dizziness, lightheadedness, and there's more, but isn't that just awesome? You know, PMS, expense, ex extensive menstrual bleeding, premature ejaculation, premature orgasms for women, those are all a deficiency, right? And then GABA deficiency, um, severe heart arrhythmia, carbohydrate cravings, severe migraines, rage, severe tinnitus, severe pain, manic depression, seizures. Again, this is GABA deficiency. Um, physical things are more like um, um, tremors, allergies, appetite, weight changes, backache, blurred vision, butterflies again, um, cardiac issues, chronic pain, cold and calmy hands, right? Clammy hands, excessive sleeping, headaches, again, night sweats, you know, shortness of breath, it's just neat to realize that, oh my gosh, I have been attributing that towards X, Y, and Z when literally it was, it was the acetylcholine deficient or the GABA deficiency or dopamine deficient. So we're really excited that you're here. Thank you so much for joining us um, on another one of our podcasts. You can find all of our podcasts on our blog and on our podcast page. Um, and please share them with your friends and your neighbors because Amy and I are just here to educate. It's our very favorite thing to do. All week long, we get excited for Tuesdays. We were missing all of you. We missed you all terribly during our um, summer time off here, but we are so glad that you are are with us today. Amy, did you want to wrap up before we stop recording? No. 
that was awesome. And that was so relevant to hear caring because like, really we blame so many mood disorders on people instead of on their brain chemistry. Like we look at kids and we're like, well, they're, they're just don't know. They have so many behavioral issues. What's your problem? And like, I love it when you meet with like, you meet with this teenager and like within five minutes, you're like, this person's very GABA deficient based off of everything you just said. Like they can't calm down. They're always anxious. They're always fidgeting. They need to be making problems. Like blah, blah, blah. It's like, like help this girl balance her GABA. Someone get this girl some GABA. And it, it's a huge, it makes a huge difference in decreasing someone's anxiety. Now, when it comes to supplementing with neurotransmitters, you definitely want to make your top priority to be helping your body naturally balance that neurotransmitter instead of supplementing with a neurotransmitter. However, temporary supplementation of something like GABA can be a huge game changer while you're working in the long run to balance someone's neurotransmitters. Absolutely. So anyway, I just love that you mentioned that, Karen, because all those different behavioral disorders were like, wow, it's really a lot of it comes down to brain chemistry. And that's one reason why Jenilyn, who's an instructor in the 10 step program, is so passionate about it, because um, she is a, a huge advocate of gut health related to, you know, up to up to 90 percent of your serotonin is synthesized in your gut, not in your brain. You know, when it comes to some of these neurotransmitters are synthesized in like um, in your amygdala and hypothalamus. But a lot of these are actually chemically synthesized in your gut. And so having gut health is imperative. Dopamine is only like 50%. Like the different neurotransmitters have different percentages of what's synthesized down there, but we need to have a healthy gut environment and the right bacteria in order to have the, to synthesize these chemicals. So that's why gut health is uh, just approaching it from a nutritional standpoint is a very holistic approach to take when it comes to mood, mood disorders and, and can be really helpful. So anyway, but yeah, that was great. Oh, what are you going to take care of? Well, I just wanted to make sure that people understand just really, this is what we do for a living and our programs are loaded with this information. So just being aware that there is more information. If we're here, we're happy to share this with you. So just go ahead and click the links that you find for our online webinars and to just contact us because we are here to help you any way we can. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes. Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful time balancing those neurotransmitters. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next time. Hey, thank you for joining us. I hope you had as much fun as we did. If you would ever like to connect with us in person or live online for webinars, course certifications, events, conferences, parties, go ahead and check out our upcoming event schedule at www.holistichealtheducators.com. We would love to connect with you. We also host weekly live question and answer sessions. Until then, have a spectacular day.